Hey guys, Paul Capon from the Innovation Community here uh, today. We're here with Filippo Passerini. Uh, Filippo has a very interesting background, uh, former president of Global Business Services and Chief Information Officer at Procter & Gamble. He's worked with many Fortune 500 companies on the struggles of digital transformation and, and adopting an analytical mindset. Uh, so we're really lucky to have him with us. Filippo, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure, Paul. Thank you. Uh, would you kindly tell our community a bit about yourself in a few words? Yeah, uh, very briefly. I spent uh, with uh, Procter & Gamble pretty much all my career, over three decades, uh, in a number of different uh, markets or roles, positions. I was in uh, business, in uh, marketing, then in digital technology, then very involved in operations and uh, with that as you indicated uh, in the last 12 years of my career with uh, Procter & Gamble I had the opportunity to lead all our uh, share services and also because of my background we combined with the uh, CIO role which is one of the reasons why uh, we were able to drive a lot of innovation within uh, Procter & Gamble because the integration of um, operations, services, and technology uh, created an operating model which was uh, quite powerful. And, um, and then three years ago, I thought it was time to exercise my muscles in a different way, so I'm now doing... Uh, it was a difficult decision. Um, I had to push myself out of my comfort zone, but um, uh, it was a wise decision, I think, because my philosophy is always is better a little bit too early than too late. So I decided to uh, anticipate what was coming uh, and um, leave at a time where I could, I had the energy and the knowledge and the experience to contribute in a number of different ways. So I'm now on the board of a few companies in the U.S. I am uh, an advisor to several pretty large companies in different industries and sectors, doing some academic work in a few business schools. So I've gone from a corporate job to a variety of different things. Great. And, and what really interests you about working in the field of, of information management and data and analytics? Well, that was a part of my uh, job scope. We decided uh, particularly uh, with analytics to become very, very intentional. So pretty much over a couple of years, I decided to invest in analytics, and that was already uh, 10, 12 years ago. So we quadrupled our capacity in analytics within 18, 24 months. And uh, there's an intentionality, there's a focus, there's a priority on analytics uh, yielded um, pretty good fruits. So we were seen by Harvard and others as a, as a uh, as best in class. Honestly, I don't know that was a true, but uh, um, we were certainly in the top league of innovation in analytics. We created an immersive environment that we call Business Sphere, where uh, there were mega 
uh, screens where we could do analytics on the fly on uh, specific business issues or opportunities. The idea was the ultimate intent was to make decisions faster and better for the business. And uh, it worked out uh, uh, very, very well, became uh, pervasive. And there too, I believe the, the enabling element was the uh, operating model and the organizing model. So we were able to truly, truly drive um, something which was technically, technologically centralized to drive scale, but then all the value creation of the leverage was in the businesses, in the brands and the markets. And that model uh, proved very, very effective because we drove an option, <clears throat> was a pull rather than a push in the business, which is a fundamental uh, for analytics. And so I had the opportunity not only in Procter & Gamble as a uh, practitioner, but also because of my academic work now on analytics and other areas, but also analytics, I had the opportunity to conceptualize what works and what doesn't in analytics. And um, Paul, I found out that when we go from empirical heuristic to the model behind them governs why things are the way they are, uh, it is a very, very effective way to transfer know-how, to transfer knowledge. And um, and the two together helped me uh, also the, the, the develop a conceptual framework for how to drive adoption, how to drive effectiveness in business in analytics. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you touched a, a little bit on your experience um, there and, and you've worked in you know in, in, in industries like banking and facility services and and obviously fmcg as well what is the the, the common challenges that you see in these organizations when it comes to uh, you know really creating that analytical and, and data-driven mindset there, there are um, three fundamental challenges paul um first of all analytics it is not a near pay system. You know, it's not financial, uh, payroll, um, supply chain, where fundamentally you have one way to do the business. There is only one way to get an employed pay, only one way to pay invoice to suppliers or to a process, uh, a customer order. Now, employees may or may not like the system, uh, depending on how friendly usability and all of that it is, but they have no choice but use that way to do it. Uh, they cannot make a phone call or, or an Excel spreadsheet uh, uh, to pay a supplier. They have to go through that particular IP system. So ERP forces processes and employees to uh, do the work in uh, in um, a pre determined way. In analytics, it's not like that. In analytics, um, people have been using a variety either of legacy systems or there is a myriads of Excels being sent around with email and um, people make a phone call to finance the sales to find out uh, revenues, profit, uh, daily sales, and so forth. And, uh, and that's the way they've been doing business for a long time. So now 
you cannot force, you cannot push, you cannot mandate analytics because people have still a different way if they want or if they saw the choice to do it um, differently. So uh, it has to create a pool, it has to create adoption, it has to create a desire for people to use this new uh, <laughs> capabilities. So much of it, Paul, is a change management. Much of it is a change management. And that explains for people who are now uh, <laughs> that young why uh, 15, 20 years ago, pretty good technologies didn't um, uh, prove effective, didn't uh, take off. Not because of the technologies, which at the time were pretty good, uh, but because of the model of deploying or adopting. So, so um, this is fundamental, the uh, change management model, the deployment model, which has to be a pull rather than a push. And this is one. Secondly is, in analytics, there is a high risk of confusing correlations with um, causality. And um, research says that if we correlate randomly 100 variables, totally randomly, at least 5% of those will show positive correlation. And, uh, and so there is a risk that we have a lot of false positives because we may come to conclusions which are not true simply because the correlation is positive, but it's not uh, a casual, uh, 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 very casual correlation. So there, this separation is important, and I would distinguish between uh, operational analytics and um, more inductive operandum open-ended on the latter ones, it is critically important for the business to be involved because they are the only ones who can um, establish whether a given uh, correlation makes sense, uh, there is a causality or not there. And this is why the organizing model, the operating model is so important. And that's why business fear, what we created in Procter & Gamble, proved so effective because it was an immersive environment where the business teams would come together with analytical, with, with uh, the business analysts uh, to make decisions faster and better. So this is truly, truly important uh, for companies to understand that, that, that the operating model, because of the uh, dynamics within analytics, and there's uh, sometimes false uh, positive. And the third uh, driver is that very candidly, and I know very well when I was in line business myself, um, very candidly, Paul, what happens is that some people feel they've been doing that business for 20, 25 years or longer, and they know everything, and they don't see the need uh, to get aid, to get support from data and from because they have it in their guts, they have it in their DNA. <clears throat> All they need to to make a decision. So there is a cultural element to analytics that we have to overcome. And so, in summary, the three points are the um, the way we deploy, the way we drive uh, change, 
uh, Paul versus Porsche model. Secondly, there's a situation of correlations versus uh, causality, which is what requires the business uh, leaders to be involved in some of the critical open-ended, more inductive analytics. And third, this notion of, uh, I already know, I don't need any technology because I've been doing this work for uh, so many years. And this is what requires um, a cultural change. And, uh, and these are the three key factors why companies, in my view, find that so difficult. The, the final thing I would add, Paul, as in the model is critical as... Um, uh, non-intuitive as this may sound, is a critical not to start from the data, but to start from what is the business question? What is the business issue or the business opportunity that we want to resolve? Because um, if we start with the data, it's, oftentimes it's like boiling the ocean. And I've come across a number of companies who start with investments of millions of dollars to build a data lake, a data warehouse, all the data structure. And frankly, I don't remember one single successful story. Whereas if we start from the other uh, way, which is what action do I want to take? What insight do I need to drive to the action? What information do I need uh, to come to the right insights? And what data will drive the information that drive the insights? <coughs> At that point, Paul, uh, it works very well because we target what data we need. So it has to be a reverse engineering process, starting with the undermine of what is the value for the business, what is the decision, what is the business question. I would never emphasize enough the importance to start with what is the business problem, what problem are we trying to solve, rather than let's build it in a warehouse. By the way, if we do this, um, the other issue is that everything becomes a cost. So you need to justify your project on an MPV or an ROI, building a data lake, a data warehouse, and frankly, you got a number of uh, hurdles right there. So it has to start, and Linux has to start with a clear definition of the value proposition for the business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think specifically with the people management side, you mentioned a really good point. You've got these, these leaders who've been in organizations for a number of years and, and they need that mindset. But I think that works the other way as well. You've got some really talented, uh, you know, younger millennial people coming up who have really interesting scientific backgrounds and data management backgrounds, but they, they just need to have that shift in management. So I, I think we're, uh, you know, I think we're, we're on the same page there. Uh, just tell us about a time that you affected change in a major organization, whether that was a, a P&G or, or elsewhere. Uh, sorry, these are the challenges? Yeah, uh, a time you affected change in a major organization. Well, it is. Everything starts, um, Paul, um, and uh, we made a, a bit of a science out of that. Everything starts with a um, clear articulation of the value proposition. And this is true for any change, not just in analytics. You know, if you, if you do an initiative in any digital um, uh, technology, digital innovation, transformation, uh, could be more mundane systems, could be transactional uh, systems, re-engineering or work processes, whatever change may be, 
everything has to start, in my experience, with a clear articulation of the value proposition. Then secondly, we need to create a coalition of people who share the same passion for change. And these people who truly, truly understand can articulate the change and the value as well as, you know, the, the thought leader who had this uh, vision, this idea, then this become, these people become the ambassadors. And um, indeed, it is a critical important for uh, communications. Uh, so we need to truly, truly think of uh, developing a message track um, repeated multiple times in every single um, occasion or opportunity we have and develop this uh, communication at three different levels. One is uh, in a later conversation, a short 10 second talk, uh, five minute communications, and an half an hour communications. Now, I'm using, of course, there's um, numbers of but the point is we need to be able to articulate the value very, very shortly and to be able to explain it in more detail if needed, is needed. But uh, it is a communication, so it's critically important. And then I found very effective, and I made a model out of it, to articulate change uh, also um, um, three different levels uh, for the business and the organization, why the change is right for the business, why we have to change, what is the compelling reason for, for change, why it is the right thing to do for the organization, because we all want to belong in an organization in a team who is a winning term. And thirdly, why change uh, is good, is important for you personally. For you personally, I think we should not underestimate the importance of what's in it for me. And um, so, by articulating the value very, very specifically in that three different um, uh, organizational levels, uh, we made uh, a bit of a science out of uh, change management. And frankly, at the beginning of my career, incidentally, when I led the UK. I made a couple of big mistakes, and um, and I learned a lot. I was young, I was a 32, 33-year-old. I was in charge of the, last, of the largest uh, P&G digital technology organization outside of the U.S. Uh, UK was a big market, uh, still is, for Procter & Gamble. So I was a young man, you know, a small fish in a big pond, and I had to grow become a bigger fish uh, pretty fast because I made, uh, because the pond was very, very large. And I made um, a significant mistake, which I thought would end my career in Procter & Gamble. Actually, we were able to turn an issue into an opportunity, which was one of my key learnings in uh, professional life. Uh, is always possible to turn an issue into an opportunity, and that should be the goal. And um, but I, I have a few scars on the skin still uh, from those days, which was now over twenty years ago, uh, twenty-five years ago. And um, and with that, I think we learned uh, change management pretty pretty well. Uh, we became a bit of a marching army 
in Procter and Gamble in my organization in change management. We had uh, we integrated uh, Gillette into PNG after the acquisition in a record time. Uh, we did an order to cash for North America, for Europe in a record time, totally flawless. So change management can be developed into an art, but it does require um, this kind of attention to, to the process, to the model. Absolutely. And some, some great successes. And, and, and like you said, it, the journey comes, you're going to make mistakes. So I think people, people definitely understand that. Uh, looking back, if you could change one thing about your career, what would that be? Uh, I would um, probably try to um, make sure that um, in some cases, I would drive, uh, I would make sure that the business partners were more involved in um, in some of the processes, or some of the changes we were driving. What happened is that um, in a few occasions, uh, because of lack of a clear articulation of the business value, our business partners, or other reasons maybe, but our business partners, um, didn't play balls with us and um, so we try to overcompensate with our own resources for what they didn't stand up to contribute and I remember those are three or four occasions and I'm talking in a pretty large um, system um, implementations uh, every time we did that uh, it didn't work out well and um, so I would be a bit more uh, firm in the way we expect to interact um, with our with our business partners, and, um, and so this is definitely the one thing I would um, but definitely uh, learning from the past. That the one thing I would keep definitely the same is this pays for change and particularly using change as a strategy. So we intentionally obsoleted our operating model in my organization every two and a half, three years to reinvent it, to reinvent it. Because the idea was if we change from a position of strength, we are in control. If we, are, if we change in response to a crisis, it is completely different. And so that is something that I found very, very effective. And it was a fascinating how people who at the beginning feared change, you know, for example, of sourcing, offshoring of the work, you know, all of that. Um, so significant changes, which can also have an impact on uh, job security there. And of course, understandably create some uncertainty in the organization. Uh, those changes actually worked out to be very well accepted and actually supported, greatly supported by people because it became um, change as a strategy and people felt uh, change became very healthy for them. So this is something that I would definitely keep doing. Absolutely. And during your career, what was the best piece of advice that you ever received? Well, I, I learned... Um, uh, I probably you know, learned, but I realized maybe 10, 12 years ago how important uh, um, is to be courageous. And um, 
perhaps, you know, it is obvious, uh, something that I could have and I should have realized much sooner, but all of a sudden, because of a number of uh, circumstances, I realized um, how differentiated was a performance in people who were courageous from those who were not. And, um, and I would strongly recommend to people to uh, play to win, not play not to lose. There is a big difference between uh, playing a game to win and playing a game not to lose. And uh, so you can play defense or you can play to score. And, uh, and in companies, in uh, health companies, you know, healthy companies with values, with, uh, with strong principles and values, people get rewarded for driving the business, for doing well, for doing what is right. If you make a mistake um, here and there, it is fine as long as you do, you score more goals than, you know, those you got. So my career, I was telling my people, was not built upon um, not making mistakes because I did quite a few, was built upon uh, doing what is right uh, for the business and driving change, innovation, value. So I would definitely recommend to people to play to win. Uh, be courageous if you make a mistake, shake it off, and uh, but importantly, drive to the what is right. Absolutely. Uh, last question from me What advice would you give to organizational leaders who are, are responsible for change management in data? I would um, strongly recommend to start with a few. Um, uh, early wins have a you know, the. the Proverbial uh, think big, implement small is always very, very relevant. Um, so we need to start with a big idea, with a vision, but then uh, make sure that um, we do something that um, uh, we implement uh, gradually, progressively over time. So. Uh, in order to accomplish that early wins, something that builds morale, energy, uh, is very, very important. So I, I believe we are in a world where people want to see results fast, and, um, and we need to make sure that while we still have a clear North Star, a clear vision, a clear uh, end goal, uh, but uh, at the same time, um, we uh, build, keep the momentum up. And to keep momentum, we need to make sure that uh, we have a few early wins that uh, show that the vision, the strategies we have in place are really working. So think big, implement small, and uh, always start with a value proposition, with a value creation, articulated in a very, very compelling and simple way. Absolutely. Filippo Passerini, former president of Global Business Services and chief information officer at Protson Gamble. Filippo, thanks so much for joining us. Wonderful. Thank you, Paul. Looking forward to our next conversation. 